Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today our guest is Cenk, the CEO of Tokelink Accounting. Hello. Hi Christian, good morning. Good morning, it's good to have you again with us on the podcast. Today we're going to talk about uh, the pros and cons of starting a business in the US. And uh, I'll let you start uh, to present us the... <laughs> Thank you. The Thank takeaways. you, Christian. It's, it's again great to be here. I'll, I'll try to make it out um, this one pretty quick and fast, very, very bullet points for the audience sake. Uh, keep in mind, we're living in a global world and our South founders could be anywhere in the world. So what I'm going to talk about are the, the, the general specs or the general pros and cons uh, about starting a business, a company in the US. Depending on the country you are, some of those, those advantages that we're going to talk about might be applicable to you or because you, you might already have them in your own country, right? And some right. of those disadvantages may not be applicable to you because you may not, you know, uh, have them uh, in, in, in the U.S. So what I suggest is not all the points will be applicable to you. And please do listen to these with that, with that mindset in, in yeah. mind. So let me first about talk about one of the, the first advantage of uh, having a business in the U.S., is its potential uh, market size for a SaaS business. Let me quickly uh, share my screen with you, and I'm going to show you a few few numbers now. Please. So if you're seeing my screen, uh, this is the SaaS market size. This is the 2023 estimate in billion dollars. So when oh. you look at the US market, it is $141 billion the SaaS market size in the US. When we look at the whole Europe, this is Europe excluding UK, it's $63 billion. So US is more than double the size. When we look at China, it's 15 billion and Nordics alone is $7.5 billion. So you see the big multiplier in the, in, 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 in the US uh, market size. So right. a SaaS business, would want to be in there, in that big, large market. We'll talk about disadvantages, but that's that's one big advantage. Well, let's also talk about the past market, platform as a service. Now, when you look at US, it's $61 billion, uh, whereas in Europe, $28 billion, and Nordings, $3.5 billion. So US is like 20 times bigger versus Nordics and 20 and a half times bigger than uh, Europe. So in simple terms, it's the market size. And, and of course, one might say that, okay, so I'm a business uh, in a place in Nordics, in Romania, in Germany. There's nothing stopping me from being a company in Romania or, or in Scandinavia somewhere uh, selling to US market. Of course, yeah. if you have the access, the old collection systems, go for it. You don't have to set up a company in the US, but you really want to be there in the US. Okay. Uh, there are also the second advantage is the pricing. When you're going to US, I'm not going to talk into the economics of it now. I'm just going to elaborate it with an example. Yes. But uh, usually in a longer period of time, I will talk about the GDP, the, the, the funding options, so many other things to give you perspective on the scale. 
All right, let's take a quick break and introduce you to Dealfront. Now, we all know that getting through to decision makers can feel like breaking through a fortress. But picture this, a tool that not only promises but delivers. Imagine if your sales and marketing team could target ideal fit leads and close deals all within a single platform. And that platform is Dealfront. How is Dealfront different? Its revenue engine is fueled by live European data in multiple languages, providing you with insights and access that other tools simply can't match. No more struggling to find the right decision makers. With Dealfront, it's as easy as few clicks. Here's the magic. With Dealfront, you can harness three layers of data. Market signals, web visitors, and EU company databases. And there's no need to worry about compliance. Dealfront meets Europe's strict standards, ensuring GDPR compliance and competitors can match. Ready to revolutionize your approach to leads and deals? Grab your free demo today at dealfront.com. That's D-E-A-L-F-R-O-N. Don't miss out on the future of successful deal making with Dealfront. Thank you so much, Dealfront, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to it. But no, today I'm just going to give you uh, one, one simple example. Again, we're going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be showing you uh, a quick. Uh, just a second, please. Kind of why I don't know why I lost it, and now it's here, and then coming to your screen uh we'll talk about the netflix pricing okay <laughs> a good example uh, interesting isn't it yeah uh, interesting so if you if you look at the pricing of netflix in the us the premium plan is 19.99 roughly 20 dollars when you look at the same in nordics it's 17 and a half dollars an average and you look at EU, and EU, actually, with, even within EU in different countries, the same Netflix premium flat plan is priced differently in different countries. Did you know that? No. <laughs> Very interesting, right? Yeah. It's, it, it changes from $10.5 to $19. In India, it's $7.8. Turkey, where I live, $7. And in Pakistan, it's just $4.2. The same. Netflix subscription, wow. right? The pricing side. Uh, so because US has the money, has lots of liabilities that comes with it, uh, you can price your product higher in the US market. That's why you would want to be there in the US market. Right. The third thing I want to talk about is the innovation ecosystem and the network. Again, please, Listen to this based on the pros and cons of your own country. I'm just talking about the U.S. market. When yeah. it comes to innovation ecosystem and the network, most of the platforms, the bigger ones that we learn from, that we follow, happen to be in the U.S., like so Y Combinator, right? I mean, Silicon Valley and Austin are becoming the tech startup hubs. We all know that. Yes, and most of the startup founders, wherever they are in the world, they they go to US for one reason or another. Yeah. So I'm I'm repeating one reason or another. So there is a reason, at least one for you, <laughs> right? So you would want to be there, and it's just it's not just that uh, there are many uh, accelerator programs other than Y Combinator uh, in the US. Um, that's one of the reasons you would want to be uh, in that environment. A fourth advantage would be the funding 
options available in But the US. J- just a second, do you think it's important for uh, to for founders to go to the US to live or to visit to see the culture? Where, where do you think the limit is? Do they have to actually live there? Do they have to visit or they can just stay in Europe, India, Asia, other parts of the world uh, um, and launch a business in the US? Currently, the founders, the businesses do not have to be physically in the US or be there. Yeah. No. But I strongly recommend if they want to expand to the US market, get customers over there, definitely visiting there, exploring the ecosystem, attending events, uh, mingling with their target customers, uh, their, their personas, trying to yeah. see, understand what they do, have the feeling. Another very good question, Christian, by the way. Another thing is that if you're a SaaS business, uh, if you're doing B2C, you could do most of the research uh, things online. But if you're a B2B business, the big buyers may want to have a presence in the U.S. May. Right? Yes. May. Yes. Uh, the big buyers, big U.S. companies prefer to buy from U.S. companies. So even if you're not per se physically as a founder or the sales director or the sales rep, you may not be in the U.S. It's okay. But you may have to sell via your U.S. company to the B2B customer. Of course. Right? Um, And on a personal note, knowing the numbers, the cost of living, and, and as such, I do not recommend founders to go and live in the U.S. Yeah. Right. Today's online world, you could do many things from wherever you are. But yes, you would need to be there once or twice every year yes. uh, to check the events, network, uh, feel your target audience and on that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Does it make sense? Yeah. 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 I like it. I like your advice. Let's move on to tip number four. You said about the fund- funding. Yes, let's talk about funding. And then uh, when I say uh, funding, there are many types of funding. We talked about it actually in our uh, previous post uh, podcast, right? Yes. And I I shared a few few links with the team. Let me share my screen again quickly here. Yes. And then coming. So. If it's visible. Yes. So from the funding options, you got the bootstrapping, friends and family. This usually happens wherever you are in your local country. But then you have the incubation programs and the accelerator programs, depending on the stage of your company. Probably you have a higher chance in your local country being accepted into one of those programs. But at the same time, uh, if you want bigger money, and you want to have access to a bigger network, you would want to get accept, accepted to a, a program, uh, one of the programs in the US. And then the other funding options are, we, we're talking about uh, investors, angel investors, VCs, and corporate investors. And then in my next advantage, I'll elaborate the size of these investors, okay? Right. The ones in the US, 
have far <laughs> they have far more money than the ones in the Europe. Uh, there are also these uh, crowdfunding uh, platforms, either reward based or uh, equity based, and there are also options for loans. Like we talked about uh, Founderpad, we we, we uh, talk about Capchase, we yes. talk about Stripe or PayPal revenue based funds. Yes, most of these funds get uh, would be available for U.S. legal entities, right? Um, so in some of the countries, you have limited access to these funds. Like I, I know a few things, like the likes of uh, Founderpad, Capchase. Uh, Stripe Capital, PayPal Capital, these are not available in nearly half of the countries in Europe. Makes sense, right? So they they give they provide these to U.S. entities. So we have uh, many Nordic or uh, European founders who set up their companies in the U.S. Uh, and they have access to these funds, but their entities in Europe they don't have access to these funds. Okay. I so think it's those, a, good, a good graph. I love it. <laughs> really valuable. And uh, let me share uh, let me share another data point. Please. This this is something also I like the 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 amount of av- available <clears throat> capital actually within within the US. This is this is really a very interesting number. And I'm coming on your screen now. So when you look at the VC investments, okay, VCs, they've invested $241 billion in the US, whereas in the EU, it's $90 billion. So it's nearly three times more than Europe, the investments. And if you remember from our podcast, the previous podcast, uh, five tips on uh, getting VC funding. Yes. One of the things we talked about is to target the right VC. And yes. many VCs only invest in the US, in the US entities. They don't invest in European entities. Right. So you have more options. Uh, whereas most of the European VCs, they tend to invest more often in the US entities. They're okay. more fun. Flexible. Didn't knew that. <laughs> so I mean, there, there, there will be more funding options. Again, please listen to this with a, a pinch of salt. Depending on your country, your own network, the, the right. available resources to you, you might be better off staying wherever you are. This may not apply to 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 everyone. Right. The, the one of the other benefits of being the U.S. again, depending on where you are, is the um, availability of collection and payment systems. Okay, so we how, how does about it work? tools like you know Stripe, PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Google Pay. Depending on your target audience, your collection system, buying behavior, or your of your ideal persona, some of these tools will be very important. If you're making a B two B sales to a US company, a US enterprise, they will be more, uh, how should I say, uh, open to paying to your US bank account. You could right. even set up direct debits. Whereas yes. if you want them to send money to a European or some other place in the world bank account, 
Would they do that? Yes, they would do that. It will just take longer time. It will take a longer time to make an agreement, to set up their payment system for that U.S. entity. Um, you know, just making your life a bit more difficult. Yes. Let me put it this way. And do, you, do, you, do we also have these advantages? Uh, there are many disadvantages, uh, by, by the way. Um, let me finish off with a couple of notes on the advantages side. Okay. Um, the U.S., the things that we do not know makes us get scared, right? We're afraid of the things we do not know. So when people say set up a company, uh, setting up a company in the U.S. is difficult. I don't know taxes, compliance, regulations. Look, guys, I mean, wherever you are in the in the country that you know you set up your business, you're living in. Clearly, you know more, right? It's very clear. Yes, you know, language, many things. On the other side, U.S. is not that complicated. We're afraid because we don't know, and it's. It's not that costly to set up a company, to hire someone to manage your books and taxes and guide you on compliance. Um, that's actually what we do as a business, as Trickell Accounting. Uh, we act as their outsourced finance teams. But regardless of that, my personal observation, people are afraid of the things they don't know. And it's not that complicated. People set up companies in Delaware. You hear about this all the time. I get yes. this question all the time. <laughs> when I want to set up a business in the U.S., should I set it up in Delaware State? Which state? I heard that Wyoming and Florida and Texas has no income tax. Why am I not? I want to set up in those states. Okay. There are the advantages of setting up in those states. But the reason that people set up in Delaware is VCs prefer to invest in companies in Delaware because it's business-friendly legislation. Right. Investing in a company in another country, in another jurisdiction, has its own risks for the investor. Right? That's another big advantage of setting up a business in the U.S. Now, you ask about disadvantages. Well, what can you think of one? For yourself, what will be a disadvantage of setting up a business in the U.S.? What do you think? Mm, that you have to learn all the things from zero, which you mentioned already, and you are you may be a bit scared that uh, you don't know the legislation, uh, people, lawyers, accountants, stuff like that. But okay. if you have the right partner, I think you can uh, <laughs> manage this successfully. Well said. <laughs> well said. Exactly. Not knowing how to operate in the U.S. Uh, is, is one of the big disadvantages. And, um, and to your point, if you have the right partners, life becomes easy. It's very smooth sailing. You don't have to worry about You just focus on growing your business. Let others handle your financials and taxes. It's easy. Yes. A another disadvantage is actually related to this is the higher admin costs. In, in, in the U.S., uh, it's usually, the, the fees are usually a bit higher than what they are in Europe or other parts of the world. I'm not talking about Switzerland, of course, but <laughs> probably one of the more expensive, or the U.K. Yeah. Uh, but but U.S. Uh, admin costs are a bit higher. Your lawyer costs and uh, accountant costs and, and all that stuff. 
And, and by the way, because people do not know, they do not have a network, they go to the big brands, the big names. Uh, I'm not going to give the names of those big brands in the legal arena, the attorneys, the law firms, but they cost you an arm and a leg. Until you become like a $20, 50000000 million company, <laughs> don't go to them, please. You don't have to. They're right. very expensive. Yes. I mean, I had a client who in two years has paid half a million dollars to one of those uh, branded law firms in the U.S. Well, <laughs> it's a lot of money. So, yeah, th th there are startup lawyers, there are startup firms like ours that will help startups at, at, at reasonable fees. Uh, yes. The other disadvantage is actually, <clears throat> how should I say, the stricter laws and compliance. Let, let me elaborate. It's, it, it's funny. Uh, I'm Turkish and each country has its own tax laws, right? So like when you go to a, a, a dinner with friends uh, and the bill comes in and you share the bill and everybody asks, hey, do you need the, do you need the receipt? Do you need the invoice? Yes. Everybody wants to take the invoice to bill to, to book it as an expense to their company, mm -hmm. right? That happens. If you do this in the US, if you go for a dinner with the friends and take that receipt and charge it to your company as an expense, it's tax fraud and the penalty is prison. Well, yes, that's simple because you're intentionally and knowingly booking an expense, which is not a company expense. You're intentionally robbing tax, tax dollars. Well, and penalty is prison. Right. So um, I don't want to scare anybody, um, <laughs> but anybody really wanting to go to us has to know about this. U.S. tax laws and compliance requirements are strict. They are very strict. And the, 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 I mean, if you go to these, these towns, you're like afraid of your life in certain parts of the world. Even in many cities, you don't go to certain neighborhoods at after a certain point in time at night, midnight. You don't go there. Yes. You're scared of your life, you know, being, being, you know, being robbed. And in the U.S., I mean, go to those towns, but don't deal with IRS. Don't be against IRS. That's the number one thing yeah. you should be afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I guess with the with the right partners and uh, yeah, it's easier to have a, a trusted partner in multiple areas of the law rather than uh, learning it by, all by yourself. Exactly. Work with the right people. You don't know what you don't know. And uh, what people uh, do founders need? They need an accountant, they need a lawyer, and what else? Um, those are the two things they would actually need to keep them safe. Let, okay. let me elaborate. What we, what we do is, uh, you know, Christian, we work with SaaS and PaaS companies. That's our speciality. Yes. And we work with non-US founders. 80% of our clients are non-US founders, actually non-US SaaS, PaaS founders. That's what we do. 
And what we know is when they expand into U.S., they don't all have the funds, they don't have the finance team. We become their outsourced finance department. From their bookkeeping, accounting, agreements, compliance, taxes, they want to hire people, payroll. Even at the hiring stage, what type of offer letter, benefits that they should give, health insurance, how do they terminate, what are the rights different states, the sales tax, the whole nine yards. And then you come into the legal matters. I'm going to issue stocks. I'm going to create a stock option plan. I want to have a privacy policy. I'm going to make an agreement with this enterprise, Colgate or GE or Coca-Cola or some other brand, right? Uh, I want to import some products from China or from my local country. I want to have a service agreement uh, with the company in my local country and the company in the U.S. because I don't have anybody in the U.S. All the work is happening in my from my company, from wherever I live. So I need a service agreement. Yes. These are like legal things. So what we do is we partner with a legal uh, firm or we work with the client's legal firm, lawyer, to make sure we identify what needs to be done and review those. Imagine having your you know, virtual a fractional CFO with his team, competent team, serving for you at a fraction of a cost. And who knows SaaS business? And who knows non-US founders and their challenges? You have more time to focus on the more important things and no, no exactly. more worries um, about it. Yeah. The, actually, most of the problems, disadvantages can, can be addressed. Uh, but there are a few of those which are a bit more difficult to address, the disadvantages. One of them is a lack of network, especially, especially if you're doing B2B business. So in a B2B business, what are you doing? You're going to these companies, enterprises, right? And if you're in a certain country, you might have a certain network, you might know people and, and uh, reach to them with warm introductions. It makes your life easy. Then you're going to the US in a country, in a big world, highly competitive world, and you don't have the existing network. So it's a challenge for many uh, non-US founders entering the US market, especially in B2B business. And that's where guys like you come in, your book, Kings of Networking, right? Um, how do I reach people? So, it, you know, it's a B2B sales process. We talked about it before. Yes. Uh, but if you want to become a global company, you have to do these things anyway. You cannot stay in your own country. <laughs> right. You'll have to expand that uh, comfort zone. And the, the challenge is um, U.S. is a very competitive market because you've seen the numbers. Everybody wants to be in there. Everybody wants to be in there. There are also some companies, some, some businesses who are very local. Imagine a SaaS product who, is, uh, who has a, a logistics software that has to be implemented in the logistic firms, right? So you might be better off in Europe because you have easier access to those customers. You have to maybe visit them. Yes. The hardware, get it configured in the truck and uh, train that logistics guy. And not all the logistics guy have the same how should I say, 
uh, education level to go on a Zoom and learn things online. You might have to be there hands-on and show them a few things um, because they have other strengths. They're, everybody is not a technology guy uh, learning things. So depending on the type of business you do, you, you know, you might have to be physically in those locations. So for, for those guys, U.S. might, might be, uh, how should I say, a market to enter when you have millions, millions of people because you will need to have feet on the ground. You will have to have presence on the ground to get your business kicked off. That's, that's in a quick shot. What do you think? No, <laughs> you said it really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how you explained it. Everybody understands it. Yeah, I, I quickly... You know, uh, summarized it, but in in a nutshell, you, every founder has to assess its own business. There are great advantages. We're afraid of things we do not know, but there are solutions to those. Uh, it's competitive, yes, the U.S., but then the the market size, the pricing opportunities, the funding opportunities, collection opportunities makes it quite worth it. Appealing. Yeah. And if you want to say, I want to, I'm going to be a global business, you'll have to be in the U.S. If not today, but tomorrow. And from my experience and uh, my interviews with founders, it's better to start directly there rather than just starting locally and then expanding one by one and then to the U.S. If you conquer the U.S. market, it's easier to expand to Europe, Asia, other parts of the world. But if you conquer Europe, it's not that easy to get into the, into the U.S because nobody knows you. Very well said. And that's one of the things we talked about with a client. He was launching his second business, actually, and he wanted to test the, the concept in his local market. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, your local market is local. Yeah. And if you want to be global, you have to test it in a global market like US. If it works there, it will work everywhere. What do they say? If you can make it in New York, you will make it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well said. Is there anything else that you want to add to the podcast? Uh, Christian, thank you very much. I hope SaaS founders find these tips helpful. And if they want to recap and uh, want to talk more, they can always uh, reach out to me. Thank you so much. I, I love these two podcasts, really strategic and specific. And personally, I would watch them once again and not get bored because it's uh, <laughs> it's such a valuable advice and well well explained. Thank you so much, Cheng. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>